Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Courtney Robertson, and I was the most notorious villain in Bachelor history. A lot has changed since then. I got married, and I'm a mom to two amazing kids. Every week, I'm going to be talking to other reality stars about what happens when the cameras stop rolling, and you have to figure out what to do after reality. Hello, welcome back to After Reality. It's Courtney here. We've got a bit of a different episode for you today. It's a very long episode, and just at the top, I want to say trigger warning. There is a mention of drug use, substance abuse, as well as uh, sexual allegations. So, um, but I'm really excited for today's guest. It is Alana Noel. Alana is a viral TikTok star who gained an audience by packing lunch for her boyfriend as she talked about her intrusive thoughts on her relationship and life. She's a television producer, writer, and hosts a podcast called Recipe for Crazy. Aside from having a very public TikTok relationship with her boyfriend, they also were producers on the show The Bachelor. What appeared to be a whirlwind romance was actually something quite sinister. Alana made shocking discoveries involving alleged sexual assault, violence, and cheating with Bachelor franchise contestants. She has been very public about the details surrounding their breakup, causing a lot of support and backlash. It's just so controversial. We have a lot to dig into. So I reached out to Alana to see if she wanted to talk to me about this, and I'm, I'm really glad she agreed. Uh, this is her first interview, and Alana has been approached by many other podcasts, so I'm so glad to have her. But we're going to get into all of it today. There are so many opinions on this matter. Where does the truth lie? We will address this and much, much more. I'm also going to be sharing some of my own personal experiences as well. So I sure hope you enjoy this episode. Got a hot mic here, and uh, I'm gonna just jump right into it because we have a lot to cover today, guys. Hello, welcome back to After Reality. It's your host Courtney Robertson here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I, you know, I was hesitant to go on any podcast at all because I just didn't want it to feel like I'm trying to get bachelor attention because in fact i'm like trying to get the opposite because you know the reason why some people follow me is because i'm on their for you page and i just don't feel like i'm really for them but (laughs) i'm happy to be here and i feel like you're the perfect person to talk about this stuff with and um it's just all so crazy to be doing this well there's a lot to address and you've got your like I said your podcast a recipe for crazy and I love I listen religiously I really do and normally on my podcast it's like light and fluffy and it's like what are you up to but today we have so much to cover so at this point I want to ask you you know how did you get into producing a little backstory like why did you start working for the bachelor I've been producing reality TV for over a decade at this point, and I never was a Bachelor fan or someone who just like religiously watched The Bachelor. One night I was at a friend's house 
and she had Colton season on. And I was watching it and, you know, of course I've heard of the show Unreal. I think at that point it came out. I never really watched it, but I, you know, I knew that there was like a lot of hype around the producers that work on the show, which is very unusual compared to any other reality show or show in general. And I watched Colton season and I was so entertained. I was like, this is fascinating. How are, why are these women crying over this man? Why are all these people going crazy over this guy? It just like, doesn't make sense. I, I want to work on this show. When you work in reality television, it's very incestual. Everybody knows each other, but not a lot of people know anyone who works on The Bachelor. I wouldn't say that's the case now, but a few years ago, at least, it wasn't like a show where you could like go on LinkedIn or something and they're hiring. Not a lot of people got jobs on there. And if they did, they worked there for a really long time. So you would never, even in the industry, hear that many stories just here and there. I knew some people who worked on it back in the day, but they didn't really have relationships with them anymore. So I was like actively trying to find a way to work on that show. And I want to say maybe like a year or so went by and, you know, I kind of like forgot about it. COVID happened and I was like in the middle of LA. I lived in a place where all of the protests were happening and it was insane. I was like, I need to get out of here. And I ended up moving to, I was working on a different show. I left the show because I told them I was going to get into movies, which was always what I wanted to do and writing. And I bought a house in Joshua Tree and I like secluded myself there. I was like eating mushrooms and chanting under the moonlight. And I was like, I'm never working reality television again. It like sucks your soul. And I mean, even, I mean, everyone says like bachelor producers or this and that, but it's like across the board, at least I can speak to reality TV where it really is soul sucking. And it just, it was never my dream to work in reality. It's just something I ended up doing. And I was like, I'm done. Hold on one second. I have so much flooding to me. So talking to Alana is like, we've spoke before leading up to this interview. And I just want everybody to know that I have read the receipts. So leading up to this interview, I have read the receipts. I've seen it. And I have been in the position to be called crazy, having been a contestant. And I think that's what's so interesting about this uh, conversation that we're having is like, I've been on the other end, like she has produced like multiple seasons where she has been in it. And so I'm, I'm so thankful to have her on to like share her insight. But like I said, this is not like a light and fluffy girl conversation. I, I would love to, to have that with you at some point, but tonight we're going to just talk about the goings on. Okay. So, I mean, I pretty much gave up. I was like, I'm done working reality. I'm going to focus my efforts on working on movies, writing, like focusing on where my true passions lie, which was never in reality TV. So I'm living in Joshua Tree. I am like making candles, eating mushrooms, chanting under the moonlight. I'm like listening to Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. I don't know if you're familiar, but I was like, I've been like meditating two hours a day. Okay. I'm like, I was just so far removed from anything pop culture, anything, anything. So Zen. I was very Zen. I was engaged at the time. My life was very different. And I get a text message from a friend, someone who I worked with on a different show, who I knew was a crew member on The Bachelor. Maybe a year or so ago before that, 
I gave him my resume to give to them. No one ever reached out to me. So he texted me randomly one day and he said, did you ever hear from them? And I told him no. And he's like, well, let me send it to someone higher up. So he ended up sending my resume to somebody more at the top. I think I even told him in that conversation, like, I'm not working on reality anymore, but I do really like the show. So I would be interested should an opportunity come up. And so they reached out to me. It was so crazy. So in reality TV, when you're getting shows, it's very much like who you know. And you really, it's not like an extensive interview process. It's like, oh, let me see your resume. Oh, this person knows you. You've got a good character check. Boom, you're hired. I've, of course, I've done interviews before. I've always got, I'm very good at interviews and I've always gotten every interview that I've taken, gotten the job. But like this show, to get on, it was like this extensive interview process. There was like three different interviews starting with like, not to be rude, but like a bottom feeder and then moving up to the top. (laughs) And at that point in my life, financially speaking, I didn't need this job and I really wanted to take it. And I'm not a journalist or anything like that, but almost from like a journalistic standpoint, I was just very curious my curiosity was super heightened when it came to the show. I wanted to know how it worked. Also at the time, I was very anxious to get out of my engagement. And I was like, oh, it'd be really great if I could get on a show and like get some time away to travel travel to like think about what I want because we're stuck in this house in the middle of the desert. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many psychedelics I do. I just really want to get this relationship. I've seen too much into like the fifth dimension. I know that this is not meant for me. I need to get out of this. So I was like, let me, I need to change something. Even though my mind was at peace, I was like, this isn't for me. I need to change something in my life. And so finally I got to, uh, the final interview, which was like very telling. And I got the job and I almost didn't take it because the initial amount that they offered me to do it, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I've, I make way more money than this. I don't even need the money, but like, I'm not, it's just like degrading to take a position for that low when they initially offered it to me. I, I was writing and pitching shows. I'm like, I'm not, gonna take this low amount of money to like give my life away Uh, but eventually they got me more money and I was like okay fine and I did it but it was unlike any other reality show I ever interviewed for but it was interesting because it was like the character checks that I would do on other shows were like or like are you a good human when they would get references but like for this show it was like the opposite Like, are you willing to not be a good person? Well, Alana, I think it's really interesting, like being on the other side, like to like how you got into it. And I've had multiple girlfriends that I've worked on the show that I met through filming that have been like, it's a man's world. Like I've heard the negotiations that goes into making contracts. And like it for, I've heard like, it's like a weekly basis. Like we're going to pay you X, Y, and Z on a weekly basis. Was that like that for you? I mean, is there a dollar amount that you need to make a week when you're living in LA and Joshua Tree? You live in LA, you have put a little hot spot in, you know, Joshua Tree, but like, you know, what can you give like a little like a close proximity to like how much you would make? As a producer on a television show? Yeah, like starting out on The Bachelor. Well, it's I mean, there's so many levels of producers. And I mean, I would say it ranges from, I mean, people who are just starting out probably get paid 
I mean, everyone has different deals. And the further up you go in the industry and like when you get to the executive level, you, you start getting some shows, it depends. You start getting paid per episode. But I mean, if you're just starting out and you're an associate producer, which is I think like the lowest, uh, like the starting producer title, I think I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I haven't done that in a really long time, but I think they get paid around 1700. That's not what I got. Oh, I would, I wouldn't get out of bed for 1700 a week. I mean, that's just me personally oh. for what I do and the amount of time I put into it. But I mean, you can get up to being paid like 10 grand a week. I mean, the range is so outrageous. That will be interesting for people to hear. And you had worked on the Kardashians. What was that interview process like? How did how did that come to be? So when I worked on the Kardashians, that was actually my first reality show I had ever done. I was prior to that, I was working as a bottle waitress and going to college. And a reality show came into film at the club at the pool party I was working at. And I, I just went up to the director or the camera guy and was like, hey, are you guys hiring? And I'm, I had like big tits and I was wearing heels. And they were like, yeah, duh. So, I mean... <laughs> that's just the reality of what happened and I ended up working for this uh, company who I I don't remember how exactly I got in if it was through them or through someone else no 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 actually so I worked for them as an intern and I was making like Akon music videos and T-Pain and stuff like that in Miami and then I was dating this guy I went to high school with. We were like in this serious relationship and he was a assistant camera operator on reality shows. This is actually how I really got started. I'm remembering now. And I so I hung out with him and other people on the shows and I met this guy who was a camera operator and he was working on the Kardashians and he and I, he really liked me. He thought it was cool. And when they were in Miami, because I was living in Florida at the time, he was like, we're hiring PAs, which is a production assistant, someone who gets like uh, drinks and snacks and stuff and just does like the dirty work and you get paid like, I mean, mean, well, so the thing is I was a cocktail waitress. I was getting paid 12 grand a day. Sometimes I would make like 10 grand at a weekend. Uh, Oh my God. It was insane. Cause I was working in Miami. Like I was working the night that the Miami heat and had like LeBron James and whoever, and like, you know, they're dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on bottles. And I'm, you know, you split the money with everybody, but I was making thousands of dollars a week selling alcohol bottles that you could buy from CVS for hundred bucks. Um, it was insane. So I was making so much money. And then I took this job as a PA and went from making that to $600 a week. But I was like, this is my dream. I need to do this. So I was working on the Kardashians and I, uh, they're, talent assistant so the people who worked directly with because it was Kim and Courtney take Miami so it was Kim and Courtney that were there and it was during the time Kim was dating Kanye and so assistants for them personally kept screwing up and getting let go and so they were sick of flying people out from California and they were like okay well this girl seems like kind of normal maybe we should just have her be their assistant. So they put me in that role and I ended up doing very well. They really loved me. I had the best time of my life working for them. I loved them so much. Uh, And Scott Disick was there and I was very close with his dad um, before he passed away. I, and that was like my first experience with reality TV. And that interview process was very simple. It was like, okay, the camera guy was like, she's legit. 
you should hire her. And then they hired me. It was very simple. And then they saw me just be a normal person. And they promoted me into that role of working directly with Courtney and Kim. Like I was able to drive Kim's Rolls Royce around. She'd give me her black Amex card. I'd go into Dolce and Gabbana and pick up her stuff. I was having, I was like, this is amazing. And they really liked me. And one day they were mic'd up and they were saying that they wanted to hire me back in California as their like personal assistant. And my bosses heard that. And they were like, if you want to move to California, we will have you, you know, they really love you. So that was my start. But in my mind at that time, I was like, I want to be a serious director and write, and I'm not like into fashion and stuff. I was so stupid. Like I should have totally worked for them. And I ended up telling Kourtney Kardashian to her face. I was like, this is just not for me. Um, I'm like, uh, you know, I really want to make movies. I'm so stupid. I should have totally done it. But um, that was my first introduction to reality. But it was a great experience. And I ended up working for that company, Buna Murray Productions, for like six plus years. I really, they they were great. That's a long time, Alana. It shows your work ethic. Who was your favorite Kardashian? Kourtney and Kim I mean, those were the two people I worked with specifically. So I actually was on the show. Like I'm in the show on that season. I just remembered that. What? Yeah. So Scott was having a, cause that was when he was like Lord Disick and all that stuff. And he was having like this Lord Disick party. And so they were like, can you, cause I was like very thin and cute and whatever. They're like, can you dress up as like a wench and whatever? Do you know anybody who could do it with you? So one of my friend, one of my girlfriends who was also a bottle server, uh, I was like, do you want to come do this? And so she did. And we, we went and then the, the people who do like the Kardashians makeup and everything did our makeup and our hair. We got all dressed. It was so fun. And we were on the show as like wenches uh, on Kim and Courtney take Miami. I remember um, that. I totally remember you know? that. Yeah, I've watched religiously. Like, like okay. love them or hate them. Like, I like to me. I love that, them. That's like the epitome of reality TV. You know what's crazy is like the people who have absolutely zero star power, like the nobodies, are so rude and mean. But people like the Kardashians, they are just like a pleasure to be around. They're so appreciative. I had the best time on that season working with them and then I worked with them in California too I just thought they were great and and I like the way they run the show I also I'll say about Buna Murray Productions in general they're very like to the book and they're very good at running their shows and I mean I have no complaints about any of that that's really commendable and I think that people would love to hear your story because like people listening at home like you know follow your dreams like you you grew up in Florida you wanted to get into directing movies, but you really worked your way up to the top. To working on The Bachelor is a pretty epic thing. So what was The Bachelor, you know, interview process like? What did they ask you at the finale of, because I've been on the other end. Like I went through the whole process different from you, but like for to be a contestant and it was extensive and there was a lot of uh, twists and turns, but was there... What was the thing that they asked you towards the end of your interview process? I would love to hear what that was like, because I'm sure it was extensive. I feel like I can say this because I had not signed a contract at this point. When you're in an interview, you're going to say what you need to say to get the job. Just like when you're interviewing to be a contestant. I mean, if you're interviewing for any job, it's like you read the room. You can kind of gauge what they want you to say when they're asking you questions and you 
respond whether I mean some people have more morals clearly my moral compass is skewed but I could read the room what they wanted and they asked me this question that was like I was like oh my god I knew I was about to get on on a roller coaster ride once I heard this so I'm in an interview with like the top level executive producers this is my final interview and they were like it's it's a zoom interview and they asked me as a woman if you're in a scenario where you see another woman who's put in a position where it's something that you might not be comfortable with as a woman what would you do would you stop the situation would you like what how would you proceed if you're producing a scene or if there's something happening and you're not comfortable with it. And I was not really sure what they were talking about, but I could tell from the context of the question that what I needed to say. And so I responded the way I needed to, which was, you know, my job is to make a television show. What It doesn't really matter what my feelings are, whether I'm comfortable or uncomfortable. I have to follow the story that's in front of me. And I'm not, here's another thing. I worked on Bad Girls Club as a producer for many, many years. I, and I referenced that. I was like, I worked on Bad Girls Club. There's very few things I'm uncomfortable with. I've seen it all. Once I said that, that kind of like opened the floodgates. They were talking about the whole Anna Redman, Brittany Galvin situation. What happened that season is, you know, I'm not sure if you're if you remember or not, but Anna, which Anna Redman, I was her producer on Bachelor in Paradise one season, and I think she's incredible and I love her. And I think the audience totally got a, a you know, yeah, the she's wrong. Chris Bukowski now. Yes. Yeah, and I think, I mean, she's fantastic. She's fabulous. And I think the audience got a totally wrong read on her, but she almost didn't even come to paradise. And I was like, dude, you need to come. You need to do this, whatever. doesn't matter. So what they were actually referencing was the situation that happened where Anna Redman called out Brittany Galvin for being an escort in Chicago. However, the situation unfolded. There was a producer that was there, a female producer that wasn't comfortable with the situation. And I think she tried to shut it down. I don't, and I could be totally butchering how it actually happened, but they wanted to make sure whoever they hired would just do whatever, regardless of their feelings about how women should be represented on a show or not. The way they started talking after that, I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. They just want to make sure that I'll do whatever they tell me to do. Wow. Oh, Alana. Well, I'm so fascinated to talk to you. We have so much to uncover. So you were on board with it. And that was that that definitely takes us back to where you started. Yeah. I mean, I knew what I was getting into. I was like, all right. But like, like I said, like I was like, I, I was so invested. I said whatever I needed to say to work on the show. You know, they normally don't hire people of my caliber. Like I had a lot of experience prior to going in the show. They normally hire people who are green, which is someone who just like is a novice. They don't really know what they're doing. And then they mold them like Play-Doh into however they want. So they produce how they want. I was not a typical person they would hire for the show because I already knew what I was doing. They were taking a risk with me. Well, when you went into it, so when I went through my casting process, like I will say producers are like borderline flirty a little bit. You meet these like all walks of life, like they're in the top position and there is that element 
to the show that is not really talked about a lot. I'm like, are they flirting with me or is this just like how it works in production? But uh, I'd be curious to ask you about that. So you get hired on The Bachelor, but going into it, did you think like I might find love on the show? Is that even a thought in your mind? I was like kind of going both ways. And like, I hope there's someone cute because that'd be fun. It'd be nice to flirt with someone. But at the same time, it'd be nice if there was nobody that was cute because then I can just like not be distracted and focus on myself and the job at hand. Because my ex-fiance, he and I actually met on a show. And yeah, he was my superior and we met on Born This Way, which was a show on A&E. It won an Emmy. It was like an incredible show about um, seven young adults with Down syndrome. Very fulfilling, exciting show. And we met on that show and it was like a great experience. But we call them showmances. I've seen the showmances. Yeah. I've seen the higher ups that are engaged, that Mm. are flirting with contestants. And I'm like, you know, this this episode is about you, but like... I've been on the other end where I'm like, why are these producers flirting with contestants? Uh, they're like, I have a lot to say a about lot that. Of romances, that's what all I'll say. We'll get into that. I have a lot to say about that. But I was like going back and forth. Like, it would be nice if there was someone cute, but whatever. And then when I got on the first meeting and I saw everyone, I was like, oh, there's nobody cute. And my ex-boyfriend was on there. And I remember I saw him. I did not think that guy was cute. I was like, there's no one cute here. And it was almost like a relief. I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Because I can like focus on my job. And I mean, when you think back to like when you're in high school and there's like someone cute in your class, it's like always exciting to have like a little work crush. But I didn't yeah. feel that from anybody when I initially started. It wasn't until like we met in person where I was like, okay, there could be something here. But uh, initially when I saw everyone on Zoom, I was like, oh, thank God. The tides change. Okay. We're not going to name his name. But Lord no. B, which is like a Harry Potter reference, he who that, shall thou who shall not be named, yeah, yeah, he who shall not be named. You have covered it extensively on your podcast. You have been very open and vocal about talking about this public relationship that you've had. I mean, I mean, you've made it public. Um, there's just so many layers to this breakup and everything that you I've learned about it. So I want to hear a little bit about how that uh, showmance started for you. My first season was Bachelor in Paradise. I want to say it was season seven, the season where Joe and Serena got engaged. When I first got there, because we all flew out to Mexico, he was sick. What I didn't know at the time is he was actually going through withdrawals and he was sick in his room. So I didn't meet him for a while. And then finally, one day I was like walking around the hotel before we started filming and I ran into him and I was like, oh, this guy's like kind of cute, but like sickly. (laughs) He looked like he was dying. Are you just tired? Are you tired from the grueling hours of the bachelor? We hadn't even started yet. We were still prepping. Like, oh God. Yeah. And he was, you can't be tired in the beginning. No. And so we started working on the show and I mean, the show, I can't even, I can't get into it, but it's so, there's so, it's so crazy. Like, I mean, any job you work on, there's like a level of like competitiveness, but like, it's so competitive and insane between the producers, anything I think in general, where it's like a creative space, people want to, you know, shine, but there was, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this, but it's rare where you'll hear me be cocky at something, but like, I'm very good. And 
there was a point where I was doing an interview and it was like this insane interview where I, it was just like, I don't even know if I can say this or not, but like someone who was just like very to themselves would not open up. And she was like a, like a main character and she really needed to open up. And I was, I finally got her to like go there and talk about what she was really feeling because she was scared to do that. And once I did that, it was like, and it was like day one or two, everyone, because these people who had been working on there forever kind of had like, like rose their eyebrows at me. Like, oh, this bitch is coming in here and like, you know, ruffling feathers. But I was told before I started, you need to go in there and be a shark. Like you need to shake the room because people basically are being lazy. And I was like, okay, fine. There, I mean, I was told by my bosses, you're not here to make friends. You're here to make television. And I was like, okay, let's go. I was doing whatever they told me because I was like, this is, and again, like I was doing this for fun. I was like, this is fun for me. Let's go. I mean, this is interesting. But you also, I mean, from what I've learned about you, you have a pulse and that's, I think I, is that hard for you to like kind of separate like the villains from the, you know, standout, like, uh, you know, girl next door? I'm not even thinking about, oh, this person's a villain. This is a main, this is like a girl next door type person. I'm thinking about the truth and the emotion and what that person is actually feeling and getting that information. And however the show or the audience chooses to like interpret it is up to them. But my focus when I'm sitting in an interview or when I'm producing is like to extract the truth, to extract what is happening, what is going on in your head. And sometimes the truth and what people are saying is, especially for this audience, because their buttholes are clenched so tight, is very hard for people to digest. Like I've produced people who are loved. I've, pro I've produced a lot of people who are hated, but it's because my mission when having any conversation with anybody, when my objective is to make a television show is to extract the truth and what is going on inside your head, because that's why we're here you signed a contract to be here to tell your story and you need to tell the truth of that story. So I never go into anything like I'm going to make this person look bad or I'm going to make this person say this badly. It's like, what's funny? What's emotional? What are you really thinking? What are you really feeling? And so that person happened to be a girl next door type and that's how she was portrayed and she was loved in that interview. And that moment really upset the people I was working with. And so I kind of made enemies with people initially when I got there because I was like, let's go, baby. We're making TV and I have nothing to lose here because I don't care if they hire me next season or not. So my ex-boyfriend and I formed a bond because he is very competitive as well. And he saw that like I was getting this attention and I was producing all these things, having never worked on the show before when these people have worked there for years and years and years. And so we started forming this connection and he would tell me like, oh, like these people are like jealous that you're doing this and doing that. And this is what this person's saying about you. This is what that person's saying about you. And I'm like, okay. But we were still just friends at that point. And I was very focused on like the job at hand. And I also could see like, I have been in a relationship to actually other relationships with people who have substance abuse. My dad was an alcoholic and I could see in his face what was going on. Like if you are familiar with anybody who has 
issues with substance abuse, like, you know. And when I was with him, I could just see what he was going through. And I remember we were on the jungle path. If you watch the show, you know what that is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been down to paradise, but we were on the jungle path. And I remember he looked at me and I asked him, are you on, like, do you have a prop? Like, do you take painkillers? Like, for some reason, I felt like it was like opioids or something. It turned out to be something else. But he said, yes. He's like, how did he, his mind was like blown. He was like, how did you know? I'm like, I just could see it on you. And that opened this whole conversation. And I'm comfortable talking about this because he had given me permission to talk about his issues with sobriety and everything explicitly previously. I never talked about anything about him with drugs ever in all that time that I was making videos. And even when he was in rehab, I never talked about that. But when he got back from rehab, he told me like, you can talk about this. It's part of my story. Like we have this public relationship on the internet. It's totally okay. So he gave me permission to talk about this. So that's kind of you to say that because sobriety and you know it's anonymous for a reason yeah Yeah. exactly and that's that's just interjecting here like I said I'm going to hang back and let you talk because we have there's just so many layers to cover in this interview Alana um but I have dealt with it personally so I get it little quick story on my season like I didn't take pills or much but like I was like anxious about traveling and I said to a producer like I there's a hurricane, long story short, like it was a stressful exit out of Belize. And I was like, I think I need a Xanax. And they somehow got it for me, um, for the flight. So I started having like anxiety traveling. It's so much travel. It seems when you're watching it, like it's like very seamless, but it happens so fast and everybody's so tired. And it's not only the contestants, but producers as well and everybody it's like you don't really get time any downtime or any time to recover before you jump right into it it's like you could be flying in and then have to go on a date that same day and it's exhausting it's truly exhausting let's go back to you meeting lord v on the show so he you knew you you're a smart cookie you knew he had a little you called him out and why did you fall for this guy how i know Like, I want to walk it back. Like, how did you fall for this guy? Meeting him, it was like, initially, there was nothing for me. And it wasn't until after Bachelor in Paradise, he had this boat day. Parents have a boat. And he was, like, bringing cast. Oh, the good boat. I know. (laughs) He invited. The panty dropper. Well, I mean, it's his dad's boat, but, you know. Um, so not as much of a pain, like how your panties are like to your knees, not all the way to the floor. But yeah, it was like, you know, anyways, um, he invited the some producers to go. And prior to that, he and I would have like these conversations. We'd sit on the phone for like two hours talking about whatever. And I went to this day to this boat day and I was like, I, it was just like this weird intuition thing that I felt like that he and I had this like cosmic connection I can't explain it and I still was like I don't like I don't want to get involved with anyone I'm going through this breakup like it's not healthy to just like jump in with somebody else I need to like do this first but then we went to Michelle's season we started Michelle's season he and I were paired to do um an assignment together and 
we just had so much in common. Like, I, this is so stupid, but it's like we both love the movie Donnie Darko. <laughs> and so dumb and we like loved all the same music and he called my hotel room the vibe shack because i had like this there's like these lights you can get on amazon they like make your room look like uh, a universe and i had like this like diffuser that like put out like lavender oil because again i was like very crunchy before we started the show i was like meditating i like to have like my space that was all whatever so he would come to my room we'd listen to music and we just like connected i'm very much like i'm less about how i physically connect with someone and more about um like emotionally and intellectually and we just connected on all this stuff and we both had that competitive side to us and it was just like i i can't and he was also like my ex-fiance was like eight years older than me. Me and Lord V were the same exact age. He just felt like I don't even want to say he felt dangerous because like he didn't at that time. I kind of looked at him like like a sad puppy at that point, which is crazy. So it wasn't like he was like this bad boy, whatever, like because I only knew him as being like sick and recovering and like sad. So it was like we just connected on this different level and I felt like we could talk about anything and I was so candid with him about stuff and he was candid with me about a lot of stuff and it was just this crazy connection that I can't really explain it's like you know it when you feel it and it only it's like a chemical connection and that's kind of what it was is this like after a work day or is this like leading up to filming so when it started, it was during the prep time, which I'm sure you're familiar with this. Like before you start oh, yeah. filming, do like what they call B, what in the industry you call B-roll, where you like take these like montage shots of you like looking off into the distance, thinking about all life complexities. And so it's, it's like probably a pretty mild day for you. Alana, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It's not like it's not like you're filming a group date where you're like, I exactly. got to interview 20 you know contestants like this is like a slow day for you yes yeah, so during it's like a week of that so during that week where it was like what we call prep on reality shows where you're preparing to film and we're just doing b-roll and interviews and you know just light stuff it's not like full-on we're in the go that's when he and i really established this connection and it was like on after that we had the best time like i can't even lie about that it was like we were sneaking around we were just being so reckless and that's we were it was fun it was fun it was so fun i'm not i can't even lie about that like it was such a good time so you go on the show you're hustling you're working your ass off. You're like, I'm not going to fall in love. And then you essentially do. I'm a sucker for love. That's why I've fallen in love a lot of many times in my life. And when I do, it's like pretty intoxicating and crazy. And the one thing about my ex-fiance and I is like, it was very level and adult. Before him, it had so many crazy relationships. And this guy, Voldemort, it was just like that. I, I do want to talk about this later, but like the whole addiction thing, we can talk about that later, but... Girl, we're going to get into yeah. the fourth step. We're going to get into how you crack the safe. Well, so one thing I just realized um, while we're talking about this, what I'm thinking about is like when he and I initially were courting each other, we were on a bachelorette season. So it was all men. I had no idea what he was capable of during that time because it was all guys it probably wouldn't have panned out the way it did 
had it been that right after Bachelor in Paradise, we went to a bachelor season because I would have seen how he is and I would have been so unattracted to him. But because we went right from a Bachelor in Paradise to a Bachelorette season where we were dealing with all male contestants, I didn't know that side of him. And again, like on Bachelor in Paradise, he was sick the whole time pretty much. So I never saw that side of him like I saw later when we did Clayton season. The way the Bachelorette and Bachelor seasons run are a little just different in terms of the relationships between the producers and the contestants. Speaking to the way women and men operate, I mean, women are just as guilty, I'm sure. But it's not as much as it is with men as women because men usually are the pursuers. On The Bachelorette season, I never saw any signs of anything that made me really uncomfortable in terms of relationships between men and women behind the scenes. It wasn't until Clayton season when that all started and I started realizing things that were just not okay, you know? Yeah. And I was just with Clayton last night. I just met up with him and he said the nicest things about you. And he was like, she got me out of my shell. She was the one that like, got my first kiss with Michelle and that changed the storyline for you. And, you know, it's got to be weird for you because, you know, you can't really talk about these things. I'm sure, you know, we sign a crazy NDA, like, so do you. So the fact that you're willing to talk to me about it, it's like, I don't know how that makes you feel. I feel like my situation's so weird. I was involved with someone who was giving drugs to contestants sleeping with contestants. It's very dark. When he initially posted his caption where he was launching his new girlfriend and the whole caption was about me. Oh, the Cheeto dusted fingers. Which is hilarious, but I mean, yes, I love a Cheeto. (laughs) I went on like this rampage on my Instagram and I said things that I wish I didn't. Nothing I said wasn't true. But I don't want to out anybody from the show who has been victimized. I mean, people are responsible for their own choices. But, like, he willingly had contestants of the show partake in, like, his drug. I mean, he does heroin. That is his drug. That's intense. Yeah. When you make it far enough on the show, there's periods where you're not like 100% under supervision and there's a lot more freedom and stuff. And there were times where contestants who were in vulnerable positions that he exposed them to that. Like exposed them to that, like you could try it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alana. I know. How do you even get that when you're traveling? This was when we were in Los Angeles. Do you travel with it? He wouldn't, okay. No. That's why he was always sick when we were on the road, because he would usually stop before we traveled, and then he would be sick, because he would never risk traveling with it. Dealt with a lot of people with addiction, and I feel like that's like a massive step above. Like, I don't feel like people would just admittedly do that. Unless they built up to that. Like, am I wrong in saying that? No. The people or person who did that with him already had history. So it wasn't something that was completely unfamiliar. But it was like, it's just still, it's something you don't do. And it's like these contestants are trusting, like, we're, they're in our hands. 
Right. You know, it's one thing, it's like to talk about producer man- manipulation and all those things. But when you're talking about drug use and things like that, it's just so inappropriate and so completely wrong. This is like a major network. And the fact ABC. Like the show knew of his issue. They know and they knew. And they continue to bring him back. Well, it sounds like it was very obvious. I mean, I I really appreciate you sharing and being so open. I am speechless. Can I ask you, can I put you in the hot seat a little bit? Yeah. Are you involved in this? Like, were you doing drugs? Were you doing cocaine? Were you doing... No. I'm actually allergic to cocaine. (laughs) Believe it or not, I'm actually allergic to cocaine. What? Is that like a thing? I, I so I've never done it, so I don't know. It's not my thing. I'm more of like a mushroom type of gal, but I have definitely tried cocaine. I first tried it when I was like 18, and then I did it again in my early 20s, and I got so sick. And I remember I had this roommate who had like a really bad cocaine problem. One Thanksgiving, we both stayed home, and neither of us went back for the holidays. And he, we like were having a party, and he's like, Alana, just like do it. You're not allergic. Nobody's allergic to cocaine. What are you talking about? And I was like, dude, I'm telling you. So I was like, fine, I'll fucking do it. And I did it. And then I was like, if I get sick, you're taking care of me. And then lo and behold, I got sick and he had to take care of me. So I'm like legitimately, I like get the flu when I do it. I also just, I'm not like a drinker in general. I don't like drinking. I take Lexapro every day. So I don't like jump off a building because of this year that has unfolded. But like, I just am not like a hard drug user. It's just not, I just don't, I don't know. It's just not for me. But you weren't like exposed, like this was like news to you, right? I didn't know it was heroin until later. I was already in love with him. I thought he had, mom, what are you doing? Mom, I need my privacy. Okay. I thought it was painkillers. And I had a relationship with someone who had an issue with painkillers before. Not that that's any better, but like heroin is just like so scary. It's such like a crazy thing. So it wasn't until later that I knew that that's what it was. But he never, I did see at one time I had him show me before he went to rehab and we were like cleaning out everything and I had him show me what it looked like. And it's like this like black tar kind of looking thing and he would smoke it. And apparently I didn't know this, but some of the contestants told me that they saw needle marks on his arm, which I never even noticed that before, which is crazy. So I don't, I like a contestant told me that. I didn't know that until August when all all this other stuff came out, but that's a big, that's a big thing. I know it's really crazy. It's like you get so used to it I guess which is so weird to say I mean maybe it was because it was out of sight that I didn't I don't know it's so crazy to say like my ex-boyfriend's a heroin addict like that's so fucking crazy to say because you don't ever think that you would be that person that's dating someone who's addicted to heroin and then you are and they're working on like a hit television show right and that's the thing it's like everybody knew And I would be getting in trouble for things he would do when we worked together. And that's when my anger for the show was born and where I was finding problems with working on the show because 
not only did people just know this because he worked on the show for so long, but the signs were all there. Like the man would disappear for hours at a time. I mean, aside from just like us sneaking around during those parts, I mean, we never even snuck around and like slept together while we were on the clock. We would like sneak around and go hug each other somewhere. Like it was like very innocent, believe it or not. But like that aside, then he would just disappear for hours because he wouldn't just go into the bathroom and like take a quick hit and come out. Like it was like this whole process that he would do and it would take so freaking long. Like I'm telling you, he'd be gone for hours. And then I see other people, like everyone else, like, you know, over walkie, where's Voldemort? Where's Voldemort? Where's Voldemort? Nowhere to be found time after time, time after time, everyone else would have to pick up his slack. And he never got repercussions for that. I am telling you never once he got repercussions for that. In fact, he got more money for that and would be invited into the boys club as all the I'm watching all these other women on the show who are busting their ass and they don't get that luxury it just wasn't a factor for them and that it was part of where the frustration was born it's like okay so this guy can just go disappear forever come back and do like a quick little interview and then be gone again while everyone else is busting their ass it it just like got really it gets really frustrating and like we would joke about it like privately and he would like make fun about it. And it was like a boys club there. Like. Oh, it's a total boys club. It's you know, a complete I boys club. Friends that work on the show. It's a, it's a boys club for sure. And it's just okay. Because for years of how they made the show. And when it was successful, it was like people were sleeping with cast members. People were doing drugs and they were doing all those things. And it was okay. And it was like, yeah, like this is how we make the show we're going to continue to hire people who are attractive are going to toe the line because that's how a good show is made but guess what i don't think any producer fucked gary like <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that was their best hit show in a very long time you know i'm pretty sure none of the male producers were trying to sleep with any of those contestants so i don't think that that is necessarily how you need to make a show i hope that that's what they're realizing now with golden bachelor it's really interesting to me to hear your side. As a contestant, you go into it blindly. There was a producer, and I remember he was very uh, handsy with me. Like, he'd come up to me and be like, your eyebrows are so beautiful. And he would, like, touch my eyebrows. And his girlfriend worked on the show. It was very flirty, flirty. But, like, I felt like if I was flirty with the producers, I could get more freedom. Also... My Bachelor had a female producer and there were times where I felt like, are they flirting? It's just, it's an interesting dynamic, but I definitely had a lot of the male producers like hook me up like, okay, this is where the best room is. And I got, I don't know, like preferential treatment in a way. I think it speaks to like, if people like you, you're going to get more and the show's run by men. And I so, knew that yeah. early on, like if they like me, yeah. I'm going to get like, I can ask for things and they're going to give them to me. It also speaks to like, if you're making TV, which I think you were, they're going to give you more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just remember like, I have a funny story for you. So I knew he told me when we went skinny dipping, which was like a, I got slut shame for that scene and they played it on good morning America. And I didn't know that that was going to be the trailer. But uh, they were like, everything will be blacked out. And when it aired on Good Morning America, it wasn't. But long story short, like, I was like, hey, like, if you, 
I was like negotiating with producers for sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you do this, I'll do that. And I felt like I had a leg to stand on. But then like at the end of the day, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And then I actually went on the date with the editor of the show. And then that's kind of how they pose it to me. It was like, we do the producing and then it goes to the editor's hands. Like it's out of our hands. Like it's not me. It's not you. Like you built a connection with me. Like it has nothing to do with me. So they kind of like pin it on somebody else. That's about my pay grade. Okay. So you worked with your boyfriend, which by the way, it seems like a dream job. You know, at the end of the day, you're in these luxury hotels. I can't imagine what the sex was like when you went back to your hotel rooms. So funny you just said that about the sex because there was this one time that we were on Clayton season and we were in, where were we? Croatia. And we just all got there. We put all the people to bed and we had like some time to kill. Like we, we put all the people to we bed. We put all the kids to bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I looked at contestants. Obviously, that's not how he looked at them, but... But we put all the kids to bed. We're off the clock. Everyone's sleeping. And we like went to dinner and then we were just like exploring this island. And we like hiked up to this, uh, it was like a church. And there was this abandoned, it almost looked like if you've seen the movie, like The Nun or like some kind of scary movie, it was like this abandoned church thing. I don't even know. It was like condemned. And it was totally pitch black, but it was at the top of this mountain and you could see the whole island in Croatia. It was unbelievable. And then we had, huh? Yeah, I'm about to get real graphic here. Then we had like sex in this weird abandoned church on this, like the side of this like brick wall thing that was like up to your hip. And he like finished on the side of this thing. Okay. So we leave whatever. The next day, it's like raining and Teddy and Clayton had a date and they had to like redo the whole date because of like the weather. And they ended up going to this thing where we had sex the night before and leaning up against the spot that he finished on and had like this moment where they were kissing, which ended up in the promo. And he and I were laughing hysterically. Like we could not get over the fact that we just had sex in that spot the night before. And they ended up filming there. and doing a date there we were dying it was so funny but yeah i mean we would it was crazy it was so fun doing weird stuff like that and like going to all these cool places and being in a relationship and doing it like for free you get to travel you're getting paid to do all this stuff so it was so fun but then like underneath there was so much other stuff that made it not fun you know like there was that stuff which was great but then when you know like I said on the bachelor at season with all the guys like I didn't understand what we were getting into going into the bachelor season with the girls because I didn't know what he was going to be like when we were working just his behavior with these girls was just so different from how any other producer was with them and it just seemed like that was promoted and that really started to piss me off it was like I've worked on so many shows before and never has anybody had to like use their sex appeal or anything to entice people to be on a show especially a show where you're supposed to be there to be falling in love with the bachelor it's so interesting that you realize the difference between filming the bachelor and the bachelorette I guess I never thought about it that way But the flirting is real. It does go on. I've seen it. 
there was a girl on my season who actually started having feelings for one of the producers. It wasn't reciprocated. He's married and she eliminated herself. But there was also somebody on the show that went on to date a producer for my season and they had a long relationship. But I saw it while we were filming. I was like, oh, those two seem pretty close. The producers and the contestants are a lot of the times the same age. I mean, it makes sense. It's like only one person can really fall in love with the lead at the end of the day. So it makes sense. But I think where my issue takes place is it just like puts a hole in the whole process. Like it pokes holes in the whole thing and why you're there. But also it's like when you're in a relationship or you're married, is that really what you need to do to get the job done? Like, are you not good enough at your job that you can't organically have somebody talk about their emotions and feelings and like be a human being? Do you, does sex have to take a role in order for you to do your job? Because to me, that tells me you're just not good at your job. If that's what you have to use to do it. Right. Not good at job. So obviously there were a lot of red flags, but you guys move in together. You were together for two years. I have seen the messages, some of them, and gosh, man, the way he spoke with you at times was so abusive. But when did you, when did this take a turn? I had suspicions. The two people that I had suspicions with were Genevieve and Serene. Prior to moving in? Prior to moving in together, yeah. And he had produced dozens of very attractive women, but his relationship with them, how he communicated with them, was a red flag for me compared to all the other people that he communicated with. There's a bunch of people, but those specific two during that season, it was a red flag. And after the season ended, how his communication continued with them really upset me. And we would have conversations about it. And he would say, you know, obviously they just like have crushes. And I remember one time specifically, I just left his house one day and it was right after the show we were done filming and one of the other contestants from the season went to dinner with Genevieve and she texted me and she was like, I told Genevieve last night that you guys were dating and she was like, got really mad. And I was like, what, what? do you mean? I asked him like, why does she care? Why does that make her mad? Because I think the girl said that like we were getting serious or something when they were at dinner. I'm not really sure exactly the context of the conversation. She got really upset. And I asked him, why would she care that we were in a relationship? And he was like, well, she probably just like has a huge crush and blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I thought that like there was something going on with her and Aaron. So I really didn't know. But he was just so good at talking that what he said, I just believed him. And that's on me. I'm stupid for that. But looking at the notes here and I read the receipts, girl. Yeah. It's just still shocking to me because of how much he convinced me that I was crazy and that none of it was real and it was all in my head. And I mean, he and her both really kept this a secret for so long. Genevieve is actually the one who told me. Oh, wow. The reason why it is okay that he did all the things he did, which I'll get into what he did, is because he's not the only one who did it. He's a lower level producer and there's executive producers on top of him. And those people, when they were in his position, did the same exact thing with cast members. For instance, and I will tell you this, and I don't even care and you can bleep out his name, but who is one of the top executive producers of the show, slept with, she had a very close relationship with him and became the bachelorette. 
And so yeah. starts at the top. And that is yeah. why his behavior is okay and why he, it was okay for him to be there so long. The only reason he ever left the show was because he left voluntarily so he could go to rehab. And wow. they were fine with his behavior because in their mind, that's how they made a show. It goes all the way back to when you were on the show and before that. And like I said before, it's like nobody's fucking Gary from The Golden Bachelor. You can make a show without sleeping with The Bachelor Bachelorette and it'd be something incredible. That's not how a show needs to be made. I completely agree. Oh, my mind is blown. But I'd be curious on the timeline of that. I, I didn't know that. Are you saying that she hooked up with a producer on her season of The Bachelorette? I don't know where it stopped. Obviously, she was clearly enamored with I think that took precedent. But it just speaks to the whole show and how it operates and how it's not okay. And it seems like they're starting to make changes. I hope they are. Some of those producers are still working on the show. It's just something that is uh, happens over and over again. Like this is a job. This is not Hinge. This is not Bumble. You're not here to meet somebody. You're here to work. They're here to meet somebody. You are not. It gets dark and dirty when you when you think about people like my ex-boyfriend who are working on the show, who are giving these people drugs, who are continuing to sleep with them, manipulating storylines, even though they're the ones that are actually sleeping with them. Like, for instance, the women tell all on Clayton season was Shanae, Genevieve and Aaron. Like when Shanae came to the stage and said, you fucked Aaron Clancy. It wasn't Aaron Clancy. It was my ex-boyfriend that she fucked. And we were all under the impression that it was Aaron. Because were, at that point, were you under the impression that it was Aaron Clancy or had you, did, were you like in the dark, Alana? As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I was 100% under the impression that it was Aaron. I had my suspicions that night because I knew that my ex-boyfriend Aaron and her were hanging out the night before. This was the night before my birthday. I knew they were all hanging out. And she posted a story on Instagram and Aaron was in it, tagged him. I had my suspicions initially that it could have been my ex-boyfriend. Like, what is going on that night? He relapsed on drugs that night. It was very weird. And then I was reassured over and over again that that didn't happen. Shanae separately saw that story and was like, oh, she's 100% hooking up with Aaron. Like, I never even said to Shanae, I suspected that my it could have been my boyfriend because, like, it's not something you want to say as someone's girlfriend. 
and, and, and just like blurred the lines of the show. It completely blurred the lines of everything. The show isn't about the producer's relationships with the contestants. It's about the contestants between each other. So it blurred the lines of everything. And I was never going to say, oh, could it have been my ex-boy or could it have been my boyfriend at the time? Like, I wasn't going to say that. And I didn't want that to be, to be true. So we were under the impression that there could have been something that happened with Aaron. It wasn't until the women tell all when we were about to go to the stage, Shanae had these strong opinions independently that Genevieve was hooking up with Aaron. And we asked my ex-boyfriend, what happened? Was there a relationship between them? He confirmed that there was something between them. Yes. So as far as I knew, I was happy to accept that. Cause I was like, okay, it's not my, it's not my boyfriend. It's a contestant from the show as it should be. And I didn't think he was stupid enough to do something like that. He's a man, he's dumb, men are stupid, but I didn't think he was that freaking stupid. Ugh, I am sorry that happened. Has Genevieve reached out to you at all? Gosh, there's just, there's so much to unpack here. Genevieve called me twice because I initially posted a two-part episode where I like went into it and when her, because, okay, so I'm going to get into this now. So that all happened at the Women Tell All. You know, after the Bachelor season, it was like, okay, that's all put to bed. There was a Paradise season. There was no, like, other things that were happening. And we had so many conversations about it. I remember I asked him one time. I was like, listen, I will not be mad at you. This is before I ever even went viral on TikTok or anything. Like, he had nothing to fear as far as, like, me blasting him on the internet. I was like, I just need you to tell me. Did you ever hook up with Genevieve? Did you ever hook up with Serene? Please just tell me. I will not be mad at you. Okay. Like, I just want to know the truth. And he swore on his life, swore on his family's life that that did not happen. I genuinely believe that. I really, really did. And then we went to paradise and I was like, okay, she got with Aaron. I was like, that confirms it for me. You know, there was like tension between Genevieve, Serene and I on Clayton season that didn't exist on paradise. Like we were totally cool. We had a lot of moments together. I considered them like as much as you consider someone a friend on when you're a producer and having a contestant relationship, like that we were all very cool. I did not think that there was anything. And even after the show, Serene and Brandon hung out me and uh, my ex hung out with them a couple times after that, you know, we broke up in May I found underwear in the dryer that were not mine. And I was like, whose underwear that are these? He said he didn't know. I remember I went back to the house. I looked at the garbage can. I found a tag. I Googled the SKU number and it was a bathing suit bottom from Target. And I was like, okay, so who, whose is this? And he's like, it's mine. I bought a new bathing suit. I'm like, so you're a cross-dresser now. And he's like, mm -hmm. because I, it's a bikini bottom. What are you talking about? And then he finally told me that he had like, he didn't want to tell me at the time because I was away seeing my mom who has cancer. He didn't want to upset me that he had girls over to go in the hot tub. His friend brought them over. I just didn't believe any of it. He ended up coming home that night. We had sex and I was like, I hope you enjoyed that because that's the last time you're ever touching me. Pack your shit and leave. What I found out later is the very next day he messaged Genevieve. I, I don't know if that was her underwear or not. I really don't. I don't think it was, but he literally started seeing her the day after I kicked him out. I didn't know that at the time. So he left. By August 10th, we were living back together. We were sleeping together. We were seeing each other, but I was not taking it seriously. I was suspicious he was back on drugs. I was communicating with his mom and his best friend saying, I think there's something going on because he's not going to meetings. 
it had been a month. He hadn't gone to one meeting. And when you're fresh out of rehab, like you need to be going to meetings at least five times a week. Like there was something clearly wrong, but you know, I, I hate this saying, but it's like, not my monkey, not my circus. I was like, I don't want to be involved in this again. I've already been through enough with this guy with his relapses. So I was telling, before I even found out anything, I was communicating with his best friend, his only friend, and his mom saying, this is what's going on. Someone needs to get involved. It's not me. I can't be doing this. I was fostering a dog at the time. He was like, we, we should keep this dog together. But I was like, what? And he's like, we should get a Duffy boat together. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? We're not getting back together. I w- so I was very suspicious about his behavior. He was spending a lot of time in the bathroom. He was using eye drops. And these are all signs of things of people who are uh, someone of his behavior when he's on drugs. Mm-hmm. You, so, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. At that point, I was already viral on the internet about our relationship. I had already publicly stated that we'd broken up. I already talked about the underwear in the dryer. I already talked about everything else. He didn't even care that I posted all those things. He was like, fine with it. So Had you posted about the fourth step? No, because I didn't find it yet at this point. This was before I found that. So I had him blocked on everything because I just didn't want him seeing my videos and the things I was talking about. We had already had conversations about I called it shrimp panty instead of shrimp scampi, where I talked about finding the underwear in the dryer. He already was like, you can keep it up. I understand. It is what it is. Like, just, you know, don't talk about me anymore. Like, while we're trying to work this out and see what's going on. Like, and then one night he really pissed me off because I was going through a lot with my mom and things like that. And he said something extremely rude about me, like not having my life together and that I need to get it together. And I was like, excuse me. I don't wake up in the morning thinking about drugs. I don't have to go to a meeting once a day so I don't uh, ruin my life, okay? What is it they say in the program? One day at a time. So yeah, allow, time. yeah, allow me the same grace, one step at a time. How fucking dare you tell me something like that? So I was really upset and I was like, I'm making a video. I don't care. You're living with me. You're having sex with me. You're uh, criticizing me. No, I'm going to tell a story. So I told a story, which was exactly that, what I just told you. And he's blocked on everything. So I posted that the same day, Courtney. Okay. That day I get a text message from a number I don't know from it. And it was a green text. So I'm assuming a fake number telling me that you need to be careful. Your boyfriend has slept with people from the show. He's sleeping with his ex-girlfriend. He's sleeping with a bunch of people. He slept with me. You need to make sure that that you don't have a disease. At the time, I feel like this is important to note, like I was getting a lot of prank phone calls already. Like I think a couple weeks before I got a, we were together, I got a phone call and this girl was like, kooks, because that's what I called him on my channel, kooks pulled a tampon string out of my vagina last weekend. And I put her on speakerphone. I was like, can you say that again? Because he's sitting right next to me. And she said it. And I was like, I was like, well, what's his name? And she goes, he only went by kooks. And we start laughing. And it was like this funny thing. And, and it ended up being like a fan. I had like about four phone calls like that. So I was like, is this person real? Is this like another prank phone call? Like, I didn't really know what to take of it. So I didn't text him immediately. Then he messaged me and said that he saw my video and he threatened that he was going to like call my mom and sister and say I was suicidal. 
because I was depressed at the time because of everything that was going on with my mom. And I was like, how dare you, first of all, threaten to like inconvenience my mother who's dealing with cancer. So I got really pissed. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Not only did I get this text, not only is he texting me this shit, I'm going to find out what the fuck is really going on again. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but men are dumb and I know his passwords for everything. I don't have to break into anything. I know his passwords for everything. And he knew my passwords for everything. So I go on his iPad. You would think I am because I'm crazy, but I'm not generally one to snoop, but I was like, I'm going on his iPad and I'm seeing what the hell is going on. So I go on his iPad and I start reading through every, I wanted to know who's sending him the videos. I wanted to know who the hell sent me this text message. What is he ta- What is this person talking about, about bachelor contestants? Like, and at this point, bachelor world and all that stuff is so far from my brain or anything. Like this is August. Like he hadn't worked on the show in months. I am not communicating really with anybody. I'm in my own world. Like I'm not thinking about who he had relationships with on the bachelor. And as far as I knew, he guaranteed me that he never did. So it was so far from my mind. So I start going through his phone, his iPad, and I'm going through, I see that he is in fact sleeping with his ex-girlfriend again. I see that he is in fact sleeping with all these other girls. I search his address, his parents' address, because he was living with his parents before I let him back into the house. And I see that he gave his address to about like 10 different girls to come. And we're talking about in like a month time span. He's having like 10 different women come through his parents' house to sleep with them. Like this guy's a freaking sex addict. Like it's insane. So that didn't even like bother me. I was like, I don't care. We were broken up. Like you can sleep with whoever you want. I didn't even care about that. He was sleeping with his ex-girlfriend. I was like, whatever. Then I keep going and like the number wasn't saved in his phone. So I didn't know it was Genevieve or like his iPad didn't sync to his phone. So I didn't know who it was, but I saw, oh, he had like a relationship with a girl. And I saw that he like was talking to her when I kicked him out because of the underwear and I'm scrolling through. And then I see a picture and it's them. It's him and Genevieve in the picture together. Like my stomach fell to the fucking floor because I told him when we broke up, I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care what you do. Do not sleep with anyone from the show. Like that's embarrassing. I don't want to I don't want to be involved with anyone. Embarrassing. Yes. I'm like, I don't want to, I just also just don't want to be involved with the show anymore at all. Like, please just like, don't do that. Just like, go do whatever you have to do. Just don't do that. And I did say this to him later. Once I found out about Genevieve and Serena. And I mean, I read other conversations with him and contestants, but like, and the only other one where I thought was inappropriate with was cat but there was definitely other girls where he was like trying but they were just like you know they didn't fold so i would never mention those people but i said to him that night actually if you came to me and you were like listen there's someone from the show i think i'm in love with them i think there's something here i want to explore this relationship i would be like go do it great i I wish you well and then i asked him i said did you fuck with these people because you liked them or because you were just trying to like and to be crude but like to get your dick wet and he told me he he said i knew that they wanted me and so i prayed on them that is what he told me and i said well then you did i hate you literally fucking hate you you're disgusting because not only did you like use these people for sex because you knew they liked you but like you hurt me in a way that I can't even describe because you knew how that would make me feel. 
that if you went for these girls on the show, you knew how that would make me feel. And you still fucking did it after everything we've been through. After everything we have been through, you know my entire family. I know your entire family. We were getting going to get married. We were talking about kids. Like everything. I nursed you back to health so many times. And you still like, who the fuck are you? Who are you? I don't know who you are. I don't want to know who you are. You're disgusting. So I'm reading that text with her. What yeah. was his response to that? This was at the end of the night. And this was day one of everything that unfolded. So at the end of the night, this is before I knew about her sleeping with him on my birthday, anything. I, at that point, I only knew that he tried to sleep with Serene and that he definitely slept with Genevieve and that he was fl- flirting with all these other people, whatever. So that night when he came back from work, we held each other crying both of us saying like I can't believe that this is what it is like something that was at one point so magical has turned into something so disgusting he totally took accountability like in the sense that like there's something wrong like he didn't say like I can't believe you looked through my iPad I can't believe you did this I can't believe you did that like I was no none of that I was so broken all this stuff because of how many conversations how many times we talked about it how many promises he made me about it like he knew what he did and how wrong he was and how much he fucking lied and destroyed me emotionally from doing that that there was no room for him to even and he didn't even try to defend himself or anything he completely owned up to it and admitted to all of it didn't talk about my birthday stuff like it was still just like after the after we broke up i'm sorry to keep saying wow but it's just i've listened to your podcast but this is digging definitely a little bit deeper you have mentioned that you knew he cheated on you before what made this one so much more painful so initially it was march end of march april ish he was at work and he had like we had an office upstairs and I was cleaning out the office area. His iPad was there and it was like blinking and I saw his ex-girlfriend's name and I was like, well, that's not chill. So I opened it up and I, cause you know, we, like I said, we have each other's passwords, whatever. And I went and read the messages with her and I was like, oh, okay, it's nothing serious, whatever. And I was like, you know, let me take this a step further. Cause I had a feeling. And I went and looked on his Instagram and I saw that he was trying to cheat on me in December when I was away at this wedding my friend's wedding and so I messaged him immediately and was like you're done I saw the messages pack your shit and leave and then he left work and he was crying and he was like please like I, I'm like you know because he was back on drugs at that point and he was like I'm I don't even know who that was I don't like it was just some girl I was feeling lonely we because was, was he telling you like you're insane no like, no he totally admitted to that he was just apologizing because I was like, I'm done. Like, pack your stuff. Get out of here. Like, I'm not doing this. I've supported you so much through this, through your sobriety, through everything. Like, I can't, I can't. It's one thing. You're a drug addict, but I'm not going to, and I support you as long as you're getting help, but now you're cheating on me. No, like that's, it's done. So we got back. He was hysterical. I wasn't going to let him back in the house. I told his mom immediately. I told his friend immediately. They were like, don't let him back in the house. Make him sleep in his car. Fuck him. And that's what I was going to do. And then, you know, of course, he made his way back in the house and then, you know, crying, upset, like every excuse in the book. And then I told him, I was like, listen, the only way that I will even consider 
keeping you in my life is if you go to rehab. And he's like, how am I supposed to go to rehab? I have, like, they're relying on me to start charity season. And I was like, that's not my problem. Like, you need help. Like, how many times are you going to repeat this cycle? You do the same thing every fucking season. How many times are you going to, how many times are you going to repeat this cycle? So the next morning he finally woke up and said, okay, I'll go. And then we found him at rehab and he went like a couple days later, he went and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stick this out. Like he obviously is very serious about this relationship. He's saying that he doesn't like, he doesn't even know who this person was. And it was just some girl, not a bachelor person, just some chick. I don't even know. And the girl actually in the text messages and in the Instagram messages was like, you have a girlfriend, like, I'm not going to, I'm not doing this. Like, call me when you don't have a girlfriend kind of thing. So I was like, respect. Um, (laughs) but at that point, had he even posted about you? Oh yeah. I was all over his page. Okay. All over his page. That should be noted. That should be noted. Okay. Yeah. He was like trying to hide you. No, we were very public and it, like we had our Insta- our TikTok relationship, like very public relationship. So this girl clearly saw that he was with me and she was like, you have a girlfriend. Like, I'm not, I'm no, like she said, no, we she basically, she was like, call me when you don't have a girlfriend, which I mean, who can you, I can't blame her for saying that, but she was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to fuck with you when you have a girlfriend. He tried with her and he was like, well, we're having problems. Dude, we never had a fight before. Our only fight was that fight for the wedding before I went to this wedding, which I talked about my podcast. I don't even need to get into it right now, but we got in a fight because of this wedding. It was the first time we ever fought at the two years we were together. So he goes to rehab, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to make this work. He comes back and all the other things unfolded. We ended up breaking up the underwear, all that stuff. So August 11th. And at this point, it wasn't even necessarily cheating. Like, I knew about the underwear. I still don't know whose underwear it was. Was it Genevieve's? Was it someone's, someone else's? I don't know. So the betrayal to me was just that he slept with cast members at that point. That was the big betrayal. I didn't even know about the other cheating yet. So August 12th, the next day, he goes to work. And the whole plan was like, you're going to come back and pack your stuff and leave. Because it was like, there's no chance we're getting back together now. Especially, you fucked Genevieve. You were trying to sleep with Serene. Um, because... I saw the text messages between he and Serene and she clearly was complicit. She clearly was interested. It is no denying that it was very clear, but she found out that Genevieve was sleeping with him at that time. And he was trying to play Serene and Genevieve at the same time. And that's when Serene backed out. And then Genevieve backed out when she saw my TikTok videos uh, and Serene told her, and this is before we ever communicated. Serene told her that, Voldemort was trying to get with her and Serene and Genevieve was like, you're doing this to me again. You are, I already was your second choice when you picked Alana over me. Now you're trying to go for Serene. Like, I'm not doing this again, pretty much. She was was up on it. Got it. Okay. So that's why they broke up. And mind you, while he was sleeping with Genevieve, he was sleeping with all these other girls from the internet and his ex-girlfriend. Okay. So all that stuff going on. So then... August 12th, I'm at this point in a, in communication with Serene and Genevieve. We're in like a group chat together. We're talking on the phone. Serene and Genevieve happened to be on like a vacation together at this time. And they asked me, they were, and I made a TikTok video about this, but they said, Alana, when did you start not liking us? Because they knew I didn't like them on Clayton season. Like I was like very away from them, but I was also just away from everybody because I was with Shanae 
And I said it was when you guys flashed him and propositioned him for a threesome. And they freaked out. They were like, what are you talking about? That never happened. You have to believe us. And at that point, I sent them because I wanted them to know, like, I'm not making this up. Like, I didn't just, like, create that out of thin air. So I went back, like, a year in text messages to my friends when I told my friends initially that that happened in this group job, I'm like, there's these girls on the show that like flashed him and tried to have a threesome with him. Like, it's so ridiculous, whatever. And I sent them those screenshots. I'm like, I just need you guys to know, like, this is real. This, like, he really told me this. And they're like, do you think he remembers telling you? Do you think he was on drugs? I was like, a hundred percent. No, he was not on drugs. And he told me that. And we had conversations about it multiple times. It's why I felt uncomfortable with him being around you guys, because I felt like you guys were just like, oh, I don't care if he has a girlfriend or whatever. I'm just going to show him my titties. Like, like that's weird. This is the receipts guys. Yeah. This is when it gets crazy. So then I'm on the phone with Genevieve and she just says this in passing. Like she wasn't even like omitting anything. She was like in passing. She's like, you know, like on your birthday when you came over after I was there and I was like, hold on back up a second. What? I was like, what are you, what birthday? What are you talking about? And she's like, you know, your birthday when you were like, Um, with your friends and then you were coming over after when we were out with Aaron the night before and I was like wait you were at you slept with him during the show and after the show and she had no fucking clue I didn't know that she didn't know that she was just telling me that for the first time that's when I really lost my mind because again he for a year was reiterating to me over and over again that like nothing ever happened between Genevieve or Serene with him. Nothing. So I really lost my shit at that point. I was like, oh my God. And then she was telling me about other people that he slept with from the show. And I was like, what? Wait, wait, Alana, what? Other crew members. Oh. That I didn't know about. (sighs) Okay. Let's all just like, take a deep breath right now. I know. I She had no idea. She had no idea what she was telling me. She did not know that I, I didn't know that. She thought that like the whole Aaron thing on stage at the Women Tell All, that I did that to get back at her, that I knew that she slept with him and that I had Sinead do that to get back at her. I had no idea. I genuinely thought that there was something with her and Aaron of course, like I said, I had my suspicion, but like he cleared it up for me. I trusted him more than anything. I did not think that was even remotely a possibility. When she told me that my mouth, my jaw was on the ground. I could not freaking believe it. And that's when I really exploded. And then I gave Genevieve permission because Genevieve and Serene were also just equally just like shocked about the whole flashing and threesome thing. So they were like, can we message him? Can I say something? And I was like, yeah, go ahead, message him. I don't care. So Genevieve sent him a text message. Like at what point did I ever flash you? When did that happen? And then he went and blocked them online. And immediately Serene never even said anything to him, but he knew, he obviously knew that because he knows the story that it was the story he told me, which was, it was Genevieve and Serene. So he blocked her too, without even knowing, cause it was just Genevieve who reached out to him and said, when did I ever flash you? She didn't say, when did we? So he just immediately went and blocked Serene. And I was like sending him all these messages, like who the fuck are you? Cause like, mind you, we had this crazy conversation the night before August 11th, but like it was 
a horrible conversation. We were crying, but it was like a therapeutic conversation. And I was like at terms with everything that happened. Like, okay, you slept with Genevieve. You tried to get with Serene after the show. You did all these other things. Like it is what it is. We were broken up at the time. Yes. Were we like still talking and doing this? Yeah. But like, I'm not mad. Like you went against my wishes and things I asked of you. And you took advantage of these women who you knew liked you, but like, like, I don't have a vengeance. I'm not like, I'm like, okay, it, you you are sick. There's something wrong with you. But like, you didn't cheat on me kind of thing. But then when I found that out, I was like, you really are fucking scum. You are scum, dude. I never want to see you again. I never want to hear your name again. I want you out of my life completely. So he was very upset. He gets very aggressive when he is upset. So I was getting scared. He has a key. We live together. He has a key to the place. I start messaging his mom. I start messaging his friend because he's not responding to me. Please tell him not to come back here. I don't want to be here when he's here. You're like, leave me alone. Yeah. I'm like, if he's coming back here, tell me so I can leave. He's not letting anybody know when he's coming back. Finally, he comes back. I'm like hiding in a corner at this point. And he starts like rummaging through stuff. I don't even know he knew I was there yet. And finally he saw I was there. Didn't We didn't speak one word to each other. Nothing. Then all of a sudden he was like very quiet. And I was like, what, why is he so quiet? So I get up and I walk over to the kitchen and I see, I hid my devices because, and I'm stupid. I didn't change my passwords. I just like hid my iPad in like a random drawer in the kitchen. He was searching the whole apartment for my iPad because he wanted to know what else I knew. So I see him curled over in this corner in the kitchen and he's on my iPad. And I was like, please get off my iPad. Give it back to me. Uh, hello. You're like, I'm here. Oh, and he's yeah. like, I'm not. No. He's like, I want to know what the fuck these bitches said to you. And I was like, no, give me my iPad. Give it back to me. And he starts pushing me, shoving me. And I was like, if you don't stop touching me and if you don't give me my iPad, I'm calling the police. Do you understand that? I am calling the police. I just have to stop you right there. This is a big deal. I mean, ha that's got to be very surreal in that moment to be like, I got to get my phone. I got to call the police. It's a pretty big deal. Wild. Like you're saying it very nonchalant. Yeah. I mean, I've told this story so many times now that it's like. You're like, yeah, like you're like desensitized. Almost. Yeah. That's how it feels. It's like, but in that moment, it was like fight or flight. It was like. All, all I knew is I needed him to be out of the house and he was scaring me and I needed him to be gone. And it was did like, it, and it works. It, well, it, so what I didn't know, like, did he touch me? Did he push me? Yes. But I didn't want him to get arrested. I did not know this, but in the state of California, cause again, I've never called the police before. I didn't know this was even going to happen. I didn't even know he was going to come to the house that night, but like in the state of California, because of which I learned from the cop that night because of uh, O.J. Simpson and how many times his ex, the wife who was murdered, called the police for domestic mm -hmm. violence and no one ever got arrested. Yeah. There is a law in California where if there is a case where the police are called and they show up to the house, someone gets arrested that night, mm -hmm. no matter what. Okay. That is how it is in California. And I cried to the cop to the officer. I was like, I don't want him to get arrested. And they're like, well, did he touch you? Did he do this? I'm like, yes. I'm like, but it doesn't, I just want him to go. I don't want him to get arrested. I don't want like, that's, I called you guys just so I wasn't here alone. I don't know who else to call in the middle of the night to come here. My first thought was to call the police. Like he's scaring me. I don't feel safe. I want him gone, but I just didn't want him arrested because that just felt so severe. Ugh, I would be so scared. It's, this is like how datelines start. 
the thing that is heavy, it's like, I'm not even thinking about him. I'm thinking about his parents in those moments. It's like, like, he's not just like some guy that it's like, it was like, mm. it felt so heavy. And I was so hesitant to call because it's like, I cared about his family so much that I wasn't worried about hurting him or him getting arrested. I was worried about hurting his family. Well, I think that just shows your heart. Just we we've talked before leading up to this interview, but like hearing that I'm like, girl, like that's like the turning point. Like, were you done at that point? Like, I mean, oh yeah. After that, it was like, I'll tell you though, that was the best night of sleep I ever got in my life. And you know, the the crazy part. So he doesn't have any friends because he destroys all of his relationships in his life. He has one friend who is like five years in recovery. He and I used to be very close. Obviously he had to choose a side where we don't talk anymore, but that night that he got arrested and he left, I immediately called his friend and I was like, he got arrested. And his friend's response was good. Um, he needed to, I'm glad. What, he needs really? That. Wow. Yes. It's like, I just still felt guilty. It's like, I, you still, I just feel like it's my fault. I always just feel like it's, my, it's this is my fault. Like this is because of me. Yeah, that's the codependency right there. It's it's that really happens. hard to date an addict. And um Well, it's I'm fun sure. at first. <laughs> oh, it's really fun at first. Really fun until it's not fun. And and then you're like in the trenches. You're not even worried about hurting them, like the addict, your qualifier is what they call it, but you're worried about hurting like their family and that was yes. where my mind was but I'm like well I have to think about my life and my life at that point fell on the line and I'm like I need to call the police like I don't know what this guy's gonna do which leads me to the next day he was in jail and the next morning I'm like okay he had a safe in the closet and he had this safe for a long time and I think in my original video I said I found this stuff under the bed because I didn't really want to say the truth of the situation because it was like he kept weapons in the safe and stuff and I knew he was going to come back eventually and I also just wanted to know what was in that safe like what is in that safe and every time he got high every time he relapsed he would buy a weapon I just wanted to clear the house of weapons and I also just wanted to know what the fuck is in that safe because it's been staring at me for a very long time I go over to the safe and I just put in the password that is for everything and then boom it opened like nothing <laughs> Again, men are dumb. And initially when I opened the safe, I see like all of our love notes and I like took all the other weapon stuff that I found in there and tossed them. And I see like our love notes and I was like, oh, okay, like he has a heart. Like, you know, he saved all these notes, whatever. All like the little notes I would write him for his little lunches and stuff and other stuff. And then underneath all that, I see in like capital letters at the top of the page it just says secrets and i'm like okay well wow. I mean, yeah like secrets so initially you're like wait this is all about me and they're like oh shit this is the real stuff like that moment as a woman when you cry when you have that woman's intuition i just want to touch on this real quick like where it's like okay let's just you have an intuition to like crack the safe you just went through this whole thing and you get in right away, that moment of you, like, how did you feel in that moment? Like, I'm in. This feels like a movie. I'm like, how, how is, like, I really didn't think that that would be the passcode the first try 
that that would be it. And it was. And I was like, this can't be real. Like, I really didn't think I was going to get in that safe. I was like, oh, let me just like put the password in and see if it works. And it did. And I was like, oh, it was like Narnia, like opening the closet and then revealing this whole secret world. It's crazy that you said like, you know, the way I was like describing the story, because my friends say the same thing, like especially the day that I found the fourth step, one of my best friends. And she's like, how are you not crying right now? And it wasn't until like a week later where I really broke down and was like hysterical. Like it took me a second. I I, I really think you're still processing it. The things that are written on there are just so vile and disturbing. Can you tell us a little bit about what you read on the secrets page that changed everything i have to say this just for legal reasons like this is these papers this alleged fourth step is something that i found in our apartment that only he and i had access to in a safe his safe amongst his belongings that only he and i had access to so sure in like speaking to legal terms could have been someone else's absolutely but like when you're reading this it's like very detailed with specific names, locations, people, family members, friends. I've like, seen it. Names, yeah. yeah. It's hard to believe that it's anybody else's but his. But like, you know, it, this hasn't been proven in a court of law. So I can't 100% say like these are his papers, but like this is how I found it and this is what it is. And on the paper, like specifically on the first page, there's like multiple accounts of raping women who are unconscious, allowing friends to participate and recording it secretly recording um sexual encounters with people over and over and over again and it's like i have had an experience myself in my early 20s where something like that happened and so have a lot of other women and just to know that i was living with somebody and was in love with somebody who is capable of doing something like that just really it's still just it makes it really hard to even consider trusting anybody ever again because it's like you really just who the fuck are you like who are you who am i living with that changed yeah i mean that changed everything it was like before it was like you slept with cast members you slept with these girls your ex-girlfriend these people you cheated on me did that and it's like then when i found that i was like I don't even know what I'm dealing with right now. This is so far out of anything that is within my realm. Like, I don't, I cannot believe that I know somebody so intimately who could possibly be capable of something like this. And I really just didn't know what to do with that information. I made a video about that and then I wiped my hands clean of it as far as the internet was concerned. Like, I didn't make another video about him. I made some videos that were like very vague you have no it wasn't directed towards him specifically or wasn't like exactly meaning to but I completely was like I'm not I don't want this is just so dirty and it's disrespectful to even I didn't want to give him any any more airtime for lack of a better word, on my page. Like, I wanted to wipe my hands clean of him. And it wasn't until he made that hard launch and made the whole caption about me that he activated me again. And I'm not completely proud of my response to it. But I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to respond in something like that. But yeah, I mean, the fourth step really just, this is beyond just dating someone who's a narcissist 
someone who has a drug addiction, this is psychopathic behavior. I mean, if you know anything about recovery, you have to make amends for things. And like one day he is going to have to meet his maker when it comes to that. Like if this man ever wants to recover and live a sober life and, you know, clear his conscience, he's going to have to face these alleged things. And I just want to note that these findings, like these papers were old and he had been through the program before. He never went to rehab before, but he had been through the program. He initially did it I think about three years prior. So this was not, there was nothing about me in these papers. And it started with like his ex-girlfriend, the person he was with long-term before me. Like, I don't even know what else he has done since then. Legally speaking, like if these are his, allegedly. I, I contacted the police, I contacted the district attorney and they told me that like a victim would have to come forward in order to press charges. Like I'm not a victim that's listed on the paper. I had detectives come to my house. I did everything I could possibly do within the legal system to seek justice. What I ended up doing is within, I can't say the documents that I filed legally, but I did file paperwork within the court system. And within the, that paperwork, I, included that information and that was as much as I could do and then I record the podcast in hopes of like okay maybe someone will come forward I also there were names on there and I know where he went to school I know all those things I know his history so I was able to locate one person I'd never contacted her because I just don't know what she knows like in the way it's written out it's like she's unconscious during this so it's like what if this girl has no idea and then i'm contacting her and saying like hey you were raped during this point in time like that feels so wrong and but then on the other hand i was like well what if she does know and she's always wondered who did it and i could be helping her but it was just like too much and i didn't want to hurt this person and so i did post this podcast and what ended up happening is someone did eventually come forward to me she has said if there was a point where we would have to go to court where like he was suing me or something like that that she would go to court anonymously if that was an option we haven't done research into it but she would do that as a victim and come forward as long as her name isn't put out there like she does not want to be involved she's doesn't not a fan of the bachelor she doesn't care about any of this stuff like obviously like this is very serious for her she was raped so she doesn't want that but if it got to that serious the point where we got to court and i have to respect whatever she wants like this is something that she experienced and it's up to her and I would never go against anything she wants. And I even told her I was doing this podcast today and that I would bring it up and she was okay with that. So she is okay with going to the court if it got to that situation, but that's the only person who has come forward. And it's, it's just so crazy. Your podcast is a, is a recipe for crazy, but I mean, at times you felt, but leading up to this point, he made you feel a little bit crazy, right? Like he was probably saying, oh. like, you're crazy. Like, I, and that's part of being with an addict. Like they kind of, yes. I hate to say gaslight, but they do. And there's a, there's a part where you're just like, wait, is this me? Mind you, you're like working on this hit show together. Holy mackerel. This is a lot, Alana, but so you've built this incredible career and you're this strong, independent woman who's very uh truthful and like i said i've seen the receipts you know i believe you and like you've got a lot of backlash on reddit but not to take away from we're gonna bounce right back into what we're talking about but 
the fact that found all this stuff, this was like the breaking point in the relationship for you. Am I correct? Yes. This is when it was like a hundred percent done at that point. This was the first time we ever went no contact after that. And when I sent that information to him, he immediately blocked me. Wow. I told his mom about it and she told me like, that was crazy. Like blamed me. Oh. And I didn't like really know what to do at that point. Like I was telling my friends, I told my mom, I'm like, but like, this is like, we're talking about people allegedly being raped here. Multiple people, not even yeah. just like, one women not- a tr- trigger warning. What do you, I mean, how do you even process or digest that information? It, it just still doesn't even feel like it's real because I still like knowing him. It's like hard to even believe that he's capable of that because right i loved him so much and i cared about him so much and it's hard to believe that someone who i felt protected by made other women feel unprotected and still feel unprotected in their lives and like and that i can might say, like, not even know yeah well i know at least one person knows after that happened he didn't say anything to me what ended up happening is that night just abruptly there was a knock at the door they opened the door, didn't even, I didn't even get a chance to open the door. They just came in and he was there with his, the friend that I told you about who I called that night, his one and only friend and a police escort to like get his stuff. And while they were there, and I'm sure, cause the cop was there. So I'm sure there's body cam footage, but while they were there, he, first of all, he called me fat and job of the hut. And he said, this was the weekend that there was the first hurricane that was coming to California in like a very long time. And he was like saying to his friend, Oh, we're going to take these hot chicks to the, to Catalina this weekend on the boat. Right. And I'm like, isn't there a hurricane coming this weekend? Like he's saying this, like trying to provoke me, but I'm like, dude, I don't care. You can go like have a freaking group like bang a bunch of Victoria's Secret models. Like, I don't care what you do, dude. Like, this is so far past that. And it just made me realize just how immature and just how out of touch with what is going on that he is. And so when we were upstairs, because I didn't let them out of my sight, I was like, I'm not going to let this person, like, in roaming around the apartment without me seeing what he's doing. And he tried, so he goes upstairs and they immediately go to the safe Hmm. because he obviously knew what I found. And his friend said, and this is, for sure has to be on the body cam footage. Like, did you get like your fourth step or did you get your, your papers? And then my ex was shh, 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 because the cop was right there. Well, I'm proud of you for taking screen grabs of them. Cause he took the papers back. He took them all. I do. Cause I didn't, wasn't expecting him to come there. I do wish I took them and like hid them somewhere because I could like, I don't know, get fingerprints or something weird. I don't know. Maybe something extreme like that, but I do have pictures of everything, but he took the hard copies of everything. Have you heard from him? Because he posted a scathing uh, launch of his new relationship and said you had cheated, dusted fingers and not to just, you know, switch gears too quickly because what you just said, like I said, like you're still feeling and I having talked to you enough, like I know like it's it's going to take time. Yeah, that was I unbelievable. The cat, I mean, I just don't even it. Maybe in a few months, I'll like have a breakdown about it, but I'm just like, I just feel it's crazy to me. And I think I've joked about this before, but like, it just goes to show because he was hard launching his relationship with his new girlfriend. And within his caption of this hard launch, there was like two paragraphs and it was completely dedicated to me and how horrible I am and just false accusations and all these things on there. The only thing that was accurate that he said is that I have cheeto dusted fingers, which I do. 
And so it's just Cheetos, goes, give her a call. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cheetos, please call me. It just goes to show that like you can be broke, um, a drug addict, and live with your parents and you can still find love. Like the fact that there's a girl that's like, okay, that's totally fine. That like all these things are said about you. I'll still date you. Let's go, baby. I'm just like, wow, okay. Like that's crazy to me that, I mean, but it's not surprising because he really does have a pull and he has a way about him where he can convince people of anything. So I understand. And it's like going back to like the Redditors and stuff and I've read a lot of this stuff and people have sent me screenshots and a lot of people are like, you know, why can we trust, why would we trust her? Like she's a bachelor producer, but it's like, why would you, I mean, how can you trust anybody? I mean, people are going to believe what they're going to believe, but it's like, we're also saying like, there's contestants that slept with my boyfriend, like human beings are hard to trust in general. And a bachelor producer is still a human being. And you're going to believe what you're going to believe. And of course, like, could I be manipulating and lying and whatever? Sure. I mean, I mean, anything's possible, but I'm not. And all these things are true. Everything I have said is true. And I don't blame anyone who's listening and hearing this stuff and thinking, like having questions because you should, you shouldn't just believe anything people tell you. You know, you talked about keeping your distance from them on Clayton's season. Do you think your feelings towards them played a role in how you did your job? I mean, like take the X out of it, Lord V. Did you ever do anything that like really exploited them or hurt them? Of course, I produce scenes that probably hurt people in some ways publicly because of like how it unfolded and how people interpreted the show. But none of that, anything I did or made, my personal feelings did not come into play for any of that. And much of my personal feelings about the whole scenario didn't even escalate until after I was done working on the show. If we're speaking specifically about Clayton's season, like Shanae and Elizabeth Corrigan, had a whole explosion. Elizabeth Corrigan never sexted or had sex with my boyfriend and Shanae still had beef with her. It has nothing to do, like my job is to make a television show and if someone gets caught, caught in the crosshair of like who I'm producing and like their beef with them, it has nothing to do with my personal feelings for them. And at that point in time, I had no idea that there was anything even going on. And I also equally suspected that like, Serene had something to do with my ex-boyfriend, but Serene, obviously, you know, there, she had no issue with anything. It's like an innocent person is somebody sitting on a park bench and a bird shits on them. Like you're not innocent. And I'm sorry that like you had situations happen on a television show, but that's because of things you did. And that's why it had nothing to do with my personal feelings for anybody. But going back just to Genevieve, like Shanae, you worked closely with Shanae. I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead, but no, no, you're um, stuff till after. Oh, you know? okay. And it was your it's birthday. Like it was your birthday. I know my birthday of all days. Really, oh. really happy birthday how, to me. How did that happen? What were you doing on your birthday? Where? How? 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 Well, so I was in Iceland with Susie, and then after Iceland, I had them fly me to Florida to go see my family for Thanksgiving, and I flew back the night before my birthday, and that night is the night they all, he went out, but he was already sleeping with her before while I was in Iceland and Florida. 
So they already had this thing going and they were sleeping together on the show. I was told that and confirmed that. And I have that in receipts as well. Allegedly, which I've seen the receipts, she's hooked up with your boyfriend, but like she also hooked up with Blake Moyes. Yeah, I don't know the extent of their relationship. Like okay. I don't know what yeah. happened, but I do know with confirmation that something happened between them during the time that he was with Katie. And that was something that I knew before I even worked on Clayton season. Oh, I've known that for a long time. You were complicit and it's not even the first time. I just don't trust you. I'm sorry you went through that girl. Like cheating is cheating and you went through the ringer with this guy and I I'm sure he doesn't work on the show anymore, right? Is he, is he done? No. No, he does not. Yeah. Okay, good. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. So I know we can't really talk about how the sausage is made, but I just have a random general question. Do producers talk about past contestants at all? Yeah, I mean, you should definitely, as a producer, be aware of everything that has happened. Like, for instance, when there is like a two-on-one with Shanae and Genevieve, because, you know, obviously I was on that date because I was with Shanae, it was like, you should go back and watch... There was like a two-on-one on a Bachelorette season and they were like, you should go back and watch that. So you understand how two-on-ones work because I mean, for a normal person, a normal human being existing in this world, normally people don't go out with on a date with two people that are interested right. in them. So, yeah, you should definitely go back and watch to see how that works because that's not a typical thing that happens in life. So yeah, absolutely. There would be times where we would talk about other seasons when it was like relevant to what was happening because it's a very unorthodox thing that we're doing here. There's 30 people dating one person and so on as the numbers go down. So, you know, the typical human being, unless you're like polyamorous, whatever the fucking word is, you know, you don't really know how that works. Uh, so you do have to go back and watch these shows. So you understand you really do, as a producer working on this show, have to also believe that this process works. It's like there, you're not going to have a lead or something that isn't actually genuinely thinking that this can, this can work. And like the producers need to feel like that too, because ultimately the goal really is, no matter what anybody says on the internet, that people end up getting married. And sometimes maybe, yeah, the producers do work against themselves in making that happen. That is the goal, is to have people actually fall in love. I think other things just get in the way sometimes. Such is life. Um, are you a hopeless romantic? Did you believe that? I would never be able to fall in love in that scenario. I will say on Bachelor in Paradise, I that actually changed the way I felt about the show because before working on the show, in my mind, I was like, there's no fucking way that anyone's fallen in love with this shit. There's no way. That Which was is my mindset. odd because you fell in love. <laughs> I know. I know, As a, I know. On you, in a way, you fell in love on the show, which is like- I did. I did. Entendre. And this is the honest to God truth, Courtney. Like before I worked on the show, I was like, there's no fucking way that anyone's falling in love with the show. This is insane. And then when I worked on that season, it was season seven, I watched these people fall in love, like Becca and Thomas, Joe and Serena. I've said this before, I forgot this feeling that I had back then, but I was like, cause I was engaged at the time and I remember watching them and I was like, I don't feel like this about my fiance. I already knew that going in, but I was like, I need to re-examine. 
I genuinely felt like they, these people were falling in love on that show. And that changed my perspective. I, I hate to interrupt you, but like I, people ask me this question all the time. Like, did you really fall for him? And I'm like, yes, I did. And I don't know. Did you? Was. I'm curious. Did you fall for him? I don't honestly. A be lot. honest. I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it was the picnics or the helicopters or the, if it was the travel or the excitement, but I, or being cut off from the world. Like part of me felt like I was so excited about him. The competition part of it. Like I always said, like I, you know, like a wedding, like, like there's like so many elements to me that I felt like I got played like a fiddle in a way, like very, mm -hmm naive i drank a lot of wine with the producers i felt like my they were my friends and looking really back yeah like. i felt like i was by the end of it like i was in love and i felt i did feel like that yeah but i think that it's like a so ben was the guy and you ended up getting engaged to him yes and we were together for about a year why did you guys break up Honestly, it was like the sort of thing where it was like long distance and I was the villain. I mean, it's really rare that they make the villain the the winner, but I was so hard in the paint as a villain. And uh, it was hard for him to see that. And I get that. But like, I was like, hey, but you know me. And Mike Fleiss was saying things to me like because I'm friends with a friend and it was like so many cooks in the kitchen, but long story short, I think when real life hit, it was like, we just don't have a lot in common. Well, there's too many cooks in the kitchen and there shouldn't be that many people involved in somebody's relationship in general. A year into a relationship, I would reach out to a producer to be like, this is the issue. Mm -hmm. And oh, then yeah. I went to the therapist who was doing therapy for me during my season because they, they do offer that. And I, I just will never forget the therapist said to me, like, my job is to make the happy couples stay happy. And I was like, but I'm not happy. <laughs> like, he's treating me like shit. Like, you know, like it finally got to the point where she was like, yeah, you should probably get out of this. <laughs> yeah. And obviously you found who you needed to be with and you're happy. And the person who's meant to be with you isn't going to care if you have a villain edit or not, if they truly love you. So I felt you know. that way. I was like, can you just have my back a little bit? And then like, I mean, our season was like a little bit weird. Like he got like, there was cheating photos of him coming out. Like, oh, oh my God, oh, man, we could do a whole episode just talking about bachelor stuff. So I'm curious, to, uh, you have shared a lot about your experience and it's been so fun to chat with you and, and get a producer's perspective on everything. I appreciate you sharing your story with us. I was just curious though, do you ever worry about getting sued? Because, you know, the contestants signed this massive NDA and I'm pretty sure you guys do too. There is an NDA, but I feel like the thing here is there so much of my personal life has been intermixed with this that it's almost become muddy water. You know, I've had conversations with people who are still connected to the show about like where my standing is and it seems like I'm in okay standing right now. I mean, who knows after this podcast, but I mean, I'm talking about my relationship with this person and how it affected me. So it, it's very confusing. And I feel like there's just a, so much of a larger issue at play than just like us talking about like 
just these little things like I'm not like describing like how the show's made and I, I won't do that simply because I can't afford the lawsuit but but this is like totally towing a different line things that I have and the things that I know are so much more damaging than anything I've ever said aloud bravo I commend you that makes definitely makes a lot of sense so flashing back we were touching on the fact that it is such a man's world it's a tale as old as time I'm just curious was there ever a time when you were working for The Bachelor where somebody said something to you like the one executive producer said to me before I went out to do the women tell all she said just just go out there and be a girl there was a executive producer who told me that I'm good at my job because I'm just like them. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you're like a cast member. And I was like, can you elaborate on that? Like, what does that mean? I'm like a cast member. And he's like, well, you're just like crazy like them. And you like think like them. So you're like good at your job. Hmm. So are you saying that they're like not people? Are you like, just, are you separating like the way women think from the way other people think? Because I like express things that are on my mind it goes back to the reason why i called my podcast recipe for crazy because it's like if you're a woman and you speak things that are in your mind and you're honest you're labeled as crazy and you're asking these women to come on a show and express how they're feeling and it's part of their contract to do that and then you're labeling labeling them as such as crazy because they're doing exactly what you asked them to do so because i have a personality and i'm bold and i uh speak to things that are on my mind I'm just like them and what's wrong with being just like them it's like the way he said it was like almost like it was like an insult it was like a it was what they call like a neg where oh. someone is like presenting something like it's a compliment but it's actually a dig at you yeah and I didn't really appreciate it and it just spoke volumes as to like what they think about what he thinks about women in general. But you did tell me a story about Leap producer who who shall not be named. Um, if you want to share that story, I would love to, to, to hear it. And there was one night where, and I'll, this will lead into like the story, but there was one night when we were in paradise and we, my ex-boyfriend and I were both drinking and probably a little too much. And the next day he pulled me aside and said, that I need to watch my boyfriend's drinking and that it's like my responsibility to make sure that he doesn't get too out of hand. Like obviously in the moment I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, absolutely. But it's like, you know that he's an AA and you know he has a problem and yet you're like putting the responsibility on me to like be his caretaker. I have no uh, say in his level of drug use. I didn't even know at the time that he was doing lines in the boom boom room or like doing all these other drugs. He didn't tell me that until after the show. This was just like for an instance of drinking. And I was just like, okay. But it's like later come to find out it's like that producer. And the reason why like my ex-boyfriend, his behavior is okay is because all the other male producers have done exactly what he has done. I and mean, maybe not to the level of doing lines in the boom boom room, but like they have had sexual relationships with cast members and then keep their jobs. And that specific producer slept with a bachelorette. And had her wrapped around his finger because of their intimate relationship. And that is the same guy who like promoted and was okay with everything that my ex-boyfriend was doing. And not only him, but there was like another supervising producer right below him who has done the same exact things and slept with cast members and done these things. And it's like, that's why there's this boys club. And it's like, they do all this stuff and they get away with it and continue to be promoted and 
is okay. And it shouldn't be okay. And obviously people are not, are suffering because of it. Not only the people who work on the show, but the cast members who are the ones who are being like dickmatized by this. And it's not even because these people want to have relationships with them outside of the show, but, and it's like, that is encouraged in the workplace. And it's like, my ex-boyfriend made his own decisions. He did what he did, but he never suffered any consequences from it. In fact, he was like, it, it, his behavior was like, um, he was put on a pedestal and they loved him around there and they knew what he was doing. So it, it, but because they did the same thing and it happens over and over again, season after season. Well, it sounds like you hid the relationship initially, but once everybody found out, did you get a slap on the wrist? Did you have to talk to HR? They didn't think it was a good idea that we dated initially. And, you know, once we did date, they took advantage of it in, in the sense of like, you know, asking me to watch his drinking and other things, other situations, but like- You're not a babysitter. They, I'm not a babysitter, and they, but they didn't think it was okay. And I obviously see why they didn't think it was okay because this is a type of environment that they create and it obviously creates a conflict between two people who are in a relationship. Sheesh, my mind is blown. I'm still picking up the pieces of my brain from the floor. I still haven't processed this. It's so insane, just all of it. It still doesn't even feel real that any of this happened, but, and it did, and it just, it's wild, it's crazy. Well, what do you want people to know about you sharing your truth? The, you know, the people on Reddit, the trolls, the trolls be trolling. Entitled to feel that way and that is okay. And the, the reason I'm sharing this, and I mean, I've been sharing, I'm naturally just without TikTok or Instagram or having a podcast, I naturally am just an open book. Anyone who knows me would tell you that I'm very candid and upfront about things. I just now do that on my pages. But initially the reason why I was sharing everything with my relationship is because I already had been sharing things in my relationship. But as I've been talking about it and as I've been processing it, it's like the what I really think people should take, uh, women specifically should take away is like never not trust your gut. Because that's one thing I didn't do when I was in this relationship and when I was on the show. And I understand now how manipulated I was. And I'm not saying that I was innocent in anything. I was totally complicit in things I did and I'm not innocent, but what I'm saying in like the larger picture of things is just that two things, there's a patriarchy that exists still in this world and on this show. And I think that is like something that is totally separate, separated from just like the manipulation people talk about in general. I mean, whatever they want to say, but like that is something that I think people need to consider about how the show is run. And the other thing is and for anybody who is in a relationship and they have a feeling and they're with somebody who's telling them that what they're feeling is not true, you need to trust your body and what your body is telling you and not find yourself trapped in a scenario where you're with somebody for so long and then you your whole life is destroyed. Because when you're with someone who is in active in addiction, they take everything from you. They take your just not just your dignity and just the just your basic just happiness but like your money your job your family your friends like they strip you from everything because they're like succubuses they're just like suck everything from you until they leave you with there's you're just like there's nothing left and then they move on to their next victim when you no longer serve them 
And I think like the reason I'm talking about this, which I didn't even really know the reason why I was talking about this initially, I was just like talking. And the reason why I ever do anything, the reason why I make shows and the reason why I like to do stuff like this is I want people to be able to connect with something. And I hope that when anyone's listening to this in my roundabout way of talking about it is just to like, I'll say it. It's really hard to talk about your experience on a ABC Disney Warner brother network and share your truth. And it's, there's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you're doing it, Alana, is amazing. I don't know if it's amazing. I don't know what it is yet, but (laughs) I don't know why. It's like I'm just doing, I'm just like going. I don't know. And I guess, I don't know. I need to like turn off my phone and like go sit. Well, I think you're facing the reality of what happened and how much you were lied to by people that you were very close to, Lord V. And um, yeah, you should go sit on the beach. You should unplug a little bit i think we could all benefit from that we were like front you were on the front lines of seeing a lot of shit that people don't know about oh man we covered a lot today my last question for you is do you have any advice for anybody going through a breakup i think that that could be really helpful to anybody who has a heavy heart right now i mean i've been through a lot of breakups and this had to have been the roughest one and i think a large part of that was because we never let go of each other. You have to go no contact. There is no like, he won't let me, like he won't leave me alone. No, you won't let you and you know it. You will be so surprised how your life starts changing and how everything starts aligning once you go no contact and they're completely out of your life. I have literally been right there. I have been in the trenches anyone who's going through a breakup right now, I am like talking to you now from the other side. And you have to go no contact. You have to block them on everything. You have to move on. And the most important thing you need to do is you need to date. This might be a little unhealthy, but like the only way to get off one dick is to go on the next one. It doesn't mean you have to marry that person, but it helps to have like a rebound, a little something, a little flirty flirt. And also something you really need to do is wash your face. I know that sounds like crazy and just small and stupid, but I'm telling you, wash your face, go to CVS, get the Dial Antibacterial Soap and wash your goddamn face. It's only $3 and it clears your skin. You need to drink water. You need to drink lots of water. Get out of the house. A lot of people watch my relationship. They thought that like we were, you know, we were cute. We were this, we were that. And then, you know, a lot of those people are also going through breakups. So I have talked to so many girls about this and I know exactly their pain. Like that pain is so significant and it's so hard because it's you're losing somebody who you were so close to and nothing makes it feel better until you go no contact. You need to flirt, you need to go out with your friends, you need to take care of your body and let somebody treat you nicely. Like I can tell you, I am so happy in my life right now and I am so happy that it is all over and I never thought I would feel this way I never thought I would and anyone who's going through breakup I'm telling you you can feel that way too I've gotten a message from someone that's like you know they feel like their world is collapsing and they don't want to keep feeling this way and they're just like a lot of women like really hurt themselves and do horrible things to themselves because they feel like they can't live without this person but that is not a natural feeling 
And I know that's hard to hear. And the reason why someone would be feeling that after a breakup is because it's it's a fear of abandonment. It's a trauma response. And, you know, I don't know anything about anyone who's listening, but I do know that feeling and I know where it comes from. And anyone who's listening to this, my DMs are wide open and I never want anyone to feel alone, especially when they're going through something like that. And I know how alienating it can feel, especially when you're not really telling people what's going on. Like there was a month after my breakup where I didn't tell anyone about shit, the cheating, nothing. I just like kept to myself and I felt so alone. I didn't want to talk to anyone, my family, my friends. So like my DMs are wide open. I'm a stranger to you. I will never say anything. I've had so many people that I've talked to about this and I never want any woman or anyone to feel alone going through something like that. I just think that anyone who's going through a breakup, you need to put yourself first. There are so many men out there. Like there are so many men. I've fallen in love so many times. And each time I'm like, I've never felt this way before. You will feel that way again. I promise you it. That person is not special. There's nothing unique about them. Everything that you loved about them in that relationship is because you brought that to the relationship and you have to remember that. And I like to tell people that August 12th is my new birthday because that's when my life started again. August 12th, last time we spoke, that was my rebirth. I resurrected. I truly think that some relationships can be, I mean, it's called codependency, but it's an addiction. Like sometimes you become addicted to people and they end up fucking killing you. And you don't even realize that it's happening until you're already dead. You need to get away from those people. You need to be in a healthy relationship. You need to be on your own first. And the day you stop talking to that person is eventually a day that you will celebrate. I just want to thank you, Alana, for coming on After Reality. I know you had a lot of other opportunities, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love to have you back another time. But if you want to follow along with Alana Noel, she's on Instagram as Lana Noel, and her TikTok is the same, Lana Noel. And check out her podcast, A Recipe for Crazy. Thank you so much for sharing your truth with us. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I had a lot of fun. I think, and fingers crossed, I don't get sued.